HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Rancho Gordo, growing the best and most interesting heirloom beans available. Learn more at ranchogordo.com. It's time for lunch. Welcome to Time for Lunch. This is a place to learn about eating, cooking, enjoying, and sometimes playing with your food. Each episode, we cover a new subject. I'm Hannah Forden. And I'm Harry Rosenblum. Tune in for food, fun, and flavor. We have a special guest here for lunch, and it's up to you to guess who they are and what the theme of today's episode is. Ready! What shape are you? This is a tricky one, especially right now. I'm a concept or kind of an institution. Huh. Are you grown or made? Both. Most of the time I'm defined by the space I'm in, but what makes me so special are the people that gather together with me each year. Hmm. And what's your job? To bring young people together to learn and grow and eat together. Huh. What are you made of? Well, sometimes I've made of bricks or concrete or wood, but sometimes, and maybe for a lot of listeners, I exist at home, especially this year. I'm an important part of your life from the fall through the late spring. Oh, this is hard. Can I have a little hint? Right now, a lot of our listeners are transitioning from summer vacation to another important part of their year. Oh, back Back to to school. This week, we're going back to school, and that means a lot of different things to different people depending on where you live. Regardless of where you go to school, in a big building, or maybe in your living room, lunchtime is always a big part of the day. Eating lunch during the school day keeps your brain and body full of energy. The brain uses more energy than any other part of the body, and you need a lot of energy to keep learning and growing and making friends. So, Harry, when you were in school, what did you like to bring for lunch, or did you eat lunch from the cafeteria? So I used to bring my lunch to school pretty much every day. Uh, I would often have a sandwich and some fruit and some carrot sticks or celery sticks. Sometimes I would bring soup in a thermos in the winter. I really used to love doing that on a cold day. Could open it up and it would be nice and warm. But I was always jealous of people who got to eat lunch in the cafeteria. 
until I was in high school, and the school lunch was terrible. Oh, no. But I think school lunches have gotten a lot better since we were kids. Did you bring your lunch or did you eat from the cafeteria? I did a little bit of both. Growing up, my mom was a teacher, and so we both went to the same school every day. And sometimes my mom would pack us a lunch, and sometimes we would grab something from the cafeteria. I was lucky because the food at my school was pretty good. I remember there was pretty good mac and cheese, and on Fridays we could get pizza, which was very exciting. But when I was really little, I used to always pack my lunch. And because the food I brought was maybe different than the food that other kids brought, it maybe smelled different or looked different or was a different texture, I used to get made fun of because my food maybe smelled strange or looked strange. And that always made me feel sad. So going forward, I always made a point to always ask questions about what other people were eating and not make judgments because sometimes things taste a lot better than they look. And I always like to try new things. I think it's time for some jokes. And we're going to change it up this week, and we're going to tell you guys the jokes. I think that's a great idea. What's it called when two people have the same thing for lunch? I don't know, Harry. What is it called? A cuisine kadink. <laughs> it's like a coinky dink. Harry, what did the plate say to the bowl? I don't know. What did the plate say to the bowl? Lunch is on me. <laughs> what did the leopard say after lunch? I'm not sure. What did he say? That hit the spot. Ah! <laughs> now it's time for our question of the day. The answer to this question is somewhere in the episode, so listen carefully. What country does onigiri come from? Keep an ear out for the answer. We're going to talk to school lunch expert Andrea Strong. Andrea is a journalist and founder of the New York City Healthy School Lunch Alliance. She's going to tell us how healthy food can improve your school day. I have two kids who are in public school in Brooklyn, Emily and Sam. And, you know, naturally, as someone who's really interested in food, when they started school, I was drawn to the cafeteria and was really disappointed in what I was seeing there. And I guess it's not really until you're a parent and your kids are in school that you see what's being fed to our children. It was a lot of highly processed foods like chicken nuggets, burgers that were heated up in plastic wrappers, a lot of white bread, white starch, just food that doesn't really support health. If there's one thing we learned from Andrea, it's that kids need lots of healthy foods to help them stay energized and engaged throughout the school day. Andrea and her team are not only trying to get fresh and nutritious foods into the cafeteria, but also have some fun ideas for food-related classes. My organization is also advocating for the return of home ec, so I want to bring back culinary and nutrition education at every grade. A lot of data supports children learning about food systems and where food comes from. It's also teaching me how to add and how to do fractions because recipes are math and science. You can teach everything. You can teach history, the three sisters crops. You can talk about indigenous foods and the Native Americans that lived in Manhattan. Food can be another fun way to get outside while still learning. <laughs> 
so I'm also advocating for gardens in every school so that children can grow their food and really develop a strong connection to the earth. And again, there's a lot of data that supports gardens as a way, a place of healing, a place of emotional, social, emotional growth and development. It provides for more physical activity for kids. And it shows them that, you know, a strawberry grows from this beautiful plant. And if you put a seed in the ground, you can grow your own food. And growing their own food leads to better choices in terms of what they eat. You know, if they understand how much sugar goes into chocolate milk or Gatorade or that can of Fanta, then they're not going to drink it. Andrea and her team have been hard at work talking with local politicians trying to make these initiatives a reality. She wants to make sure every kid has nutritious and delicious school lunches every day. What I imagine school food to look like is a big pitcher of fresh, cold water on the table, maybe with some cucumber slices or some lemons that kids are drinking and sharing, and a platter that has a beautiful fresh salad with crunchy vegetables and a nice dressing on the side made from herbs and grilled chicken with homemade hummus and a beautiful flatbread or a bowl of veggie chili with cheddar cheese and real sour cream and toppings bar where kids can have fun with their with their veggie chili or a nice big sandwich made with grilled vegetables and hummus and you know your choice of mustard or hot sauce or whatever you like on there Thanks so much, Andrea Strong, for teaching us how nutritious school food can improve our health and help us learn. To learn more about the New York City Healthy School Lunch Alliance and Andrea's other work, visit her website, andreastrong.com. We'll be right back with some very special fun facts after a quick break. This episode is brought to you by Rancho Gordo. Over the past 19 years, Rancho Gordo has led the revival of heirloom beans, taking the lowly bean from a healthy but neglected member of the vegetable family to a near superstar status ingredient. From growing the best and most interesting beans available to making sure all crops are fresh and a pleasure to cook with, Rancho Gordo's mission is to encourage cooks to experience and enjoy the unique flavors of heirloom beans. Rancho Gordo produces nearly 30 varieties of heirloom beans and lentils, as well as corn, grains, chilies, and other cooking ingredients. You can learn more at ranchogordo.com. That's R-A-N-C-H-O-G-O-R-D-O.com. Welcome back to Time for Lunch. This week, we're looking at an important part of the school day, lunchtime. We have some very special guests from all over the world, Japan, Ireland, and Thailand. They're going to tell us what a school lunch looks like in their country. I usually bring a lunchbox to school. The grandmother makes the side dishes. The staple food is rice. Sometimes I bring a sandwiches. My favorite side dish is seasoned egg and spring rolls. Hi, I'm Daniel and I'm 11 and normally I'd have maybe a bag of popcorn, crackers and an apple for lunch. I'm TJ, I'm 12 and normally um, in school I'd eat 
some sort of sandwich or roll, and sometimes a chicken or ham. We can't choose what you want to eat here. There will be a specific menu for each day. We usually have curries, fry eggs, and fried chicken, and we don't have milk during lunch. Thank you so much to Kaudu in Japan, TJ and Daniel in Ireland, and Mew in Thailand for telling us about what they eat for lunch at school. Philadelphia and Boston were the first two American cities to institute school lunch programs, starting at the end of the 19th century. In the earliest days of school lunches in the United States, teachers would heat soup over the fire or stove that they used to warm the classroom. The cafeteria is a model that was inspired by factories, which came to prominence in the U.S. during the Industrial Revolution, which was in the early part of the 1900s. In 2016, more than 30 million students were fed each day by the U.S.'s National School Lunch Program. That's a lot of lunch. And when the coronavirus pandemic forced schools to close in March of this year, most school cafeterias continue to provide nutritious meals for students and their families. So a big thank you to those frontline workers who are feeding our friends and neighbors. Okay, it's that time, I think. Let's get our wiggles out with a dance break. Andrea Strong is back, and she's going to share a super yummy lunchtime recipe with us. My children love onigiri. That is that is that is my go-to school lunch. Onigiri. Um, my kids love Japanese food. Even my son, who's a pretty picky eater and generally likes to eat, you know, pretty plain pasta with tomato sauce or meatballs or chicken cutlets or grilled cheese. And if there's anything, you know, too too colorful or spicy on his food, he tends to freak out, but not when it comes to Japanese food. He loves rice balls. And rice balls are super easy for school lunch. You just make your sushi rice. So you can either do it in a rice cooker, which I like because it can sit there for a while. I put it in the night before, and then it's ready in the morning. And then you get those um, these onigiri molds from Sunrise Mart at Industry City or, you know, wherever... So you get your molds and then you put your rice in and you sort of treat it like a sandwich. You put a layer of rice on the bottom and then put in whatever you like. My kids like Sam likes avocado and cucumber. My daughter would put like octopus and pulled pork in hers if she could. But generally for her, I put in um, sometimes I put in some smoked trout and cucumber or smoked salmon and avocado or some, you know, leftover grilled chicken Whatever you have, you can get some furikake, the um, the little, what, what my kids call the Japanese sprinkles. You can sprinkle some of that on for seasoning. 
and um, and then put your next layer of rice on top, press the mold down, pop it out, and then get your toasted seaweed. If you want to wrap it in seaweed, wrap it up, put it in the lunchbox. I hope that some of you try it and let me know if you like it. Thanks, Andrea. I love making onigiri for my kids for lunch, and they really, it's one of their favorite things. Before we wrap up today's show, we're going to hear a book recommendation from our associate producer, Emily Kunkel. I'm so excited to talk about this week's book recommendation. It's called What's for Lunch? How School Children Eat Around the World by Andrea Curtis. This is a really cool book and looks at lunches from countries like Kenya, England, Peru, and Canada. The great thing about this book is that it has lots of fun facts and teaches you how school lunches can help society beyond preventing hunger. There are so many interesting facts, like, did you know in India, serving meals at schools increased girls' attendance by 30%. In Brazil, 30% of ingredients in school lunches are required to be from local farms. And in England, school absences decreased by 14% with the introduction of a healthy school lunch. Thanks, Emily. At the beginning of the episode, we asked, What country does onigiri come from? And the answer is, My children love onigiri. That is, that is, that is my go-to school lunch. Onigiri, um, my kids love Japanese food. Thanks for listening to Time for Lunch today. We'll be back next week with more tasty stories. This show is written, produced, edited, and hosted by Harry Rosenblum and Hannah Forden, with engineering by Liam Werner. Emily Kunkel produced and wrote today's episode. Music in this episode was composed by Breakmaster Cylinder, and our fun facts theme was created by our very own Liam Warner. Time for Lunch is a production of Heritage Radio Network, the world's pioneer food radio station. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. Time for Lunch is powered by Simplecast. And remember to please stay in touch, whether you have a joke you'd like to share or if you'd just like to tell us what you had for school lunch. We'd love to hear from you. You can send us your recipes, poems, book recommendations, or anything else you think we'd like. It's super easy to record yourself using the Voice Memo app on an iPhone or just send a video. Ask your favorite grown-up to help you email us at timeforlunchpodcast at gmail.com. Remember to include your name, age, and address so we can send you a little something in return. Time for Lunch is supported in part by public funds from the New York City Department of Cultural Affairs in partnership with City Council. Thanks for listening and good luck going back to school.